Hey guys, so I'll make this pitch extremely easy for you. We've got a free $20 to hand to you, which you can use on fantasy sports betting immediately. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20, and you'll get an instant $20 bonus tacked onto that. With the NBA reset season and playoffs underway, fantasy sports and daily betting for the resident NBA junkie has never been this intense and this fun. And when it comes to fantasy betting platforms, make sure to make the right choice and hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for players that makes games super simple and intuitive that even first-time beginners can pick it up instantly. Enter a contest where all you have to do is choose 10 out of the 20 player prop options to build your lineup. You're merely dealing with over-under prop bets that each have a point total associated to them based on likelihood of occurring. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. So what are you waiting for? Win some money on the side while you watch the excitement of this year's NBA playoffs. Again, use promo code LEGACY when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. New York strip steak? Ooh! Braised beef short ribs? Damn! What else we got? Shrimp and grits? What would be? I fuck with that cheesecake though. They got that creme brulee. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where bubble, bubble, toil, and trouble. The Lakers have officially landed in the Orlando bubble, and it took all but two days for said trouble to begin a brewing, as Rajon Rondo has just gone down with a fractured right thumb, and it will be sidelined for at least the next six to eight weeks following surgery. But hey, thank God for the J.R. Smith reality TV show to keep things light and fun. Am I right? New York strip steak, ooh, braised beef short ribs, damn, what else we got? Shrimp and grits, oof, they got that creme brulee. Who knew listening to J.R. Smith recite the player's bubble dinner meal menu would be so entertaining? Also, apologies for my terrible impression of J.R. Smith there, but regardless, NBA bubble practices are tangibly underway and the sombering Rondo news notwithstanding, regardless of how vehemently you felt about this dude, on the positive side, we've actually gotten our first footage of Lakers players shooting balls into basket hoops, and I have to say, I may have shed a tear or two. What a beautiful sight it was to see actual players in official team attire in groups of more than three, and what a beautiful sound it was hearing swishes from the likes of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and 
Cal Kuzma? Hmm, okay. Keep it up, young Kawhi. Or at least that's what Cal Kuzma's comparing himself to. Regardless, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I will be joined by my co-host, Tommy and Alan, in segment two, where we will talk about some Lakers-centric playoff tactics and scenarios we're most anticipating come this August. But first, during this initial segment, I will, of course, be talking about Rajon Rondo and what his loss means to the Lakers and where they go from here. And I'm also going to be delving into some Lakers narratives heading into the first scrimmages that I personally find very intriguing. Uh, Before we get to all that, though, as usual, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles are both at Lakers Legacy Pod for both those platforms. Please also rate and review us five stars on the iTunes Apple Podcast app. We are still stuck at 410, still desperately trying to get to 420, the latest number of all. So please let us know you're listening. If there's a brave soul out there who hasn't rated and reviewed us five stars yet on iTunes and is willing to step up to the plate and rate and review us, we would very much appreciate you getting us up from under that 410 mark that we've been stuck on for the last four to five months. So please, BRJR Smith 911 emergency and help us get over this Apple podcast rating and review hump. And you can rest assured that when you do that, we will have impressionist extraordinaire Tommy read your review on air next. Also, we're slowly starting to venture into making some special breakdown observational videos in a very Dollar Tree Laker film room fashion. Uh, The first video I'm set to release is a Dion Waiters deep dive on how he could surprise most people out there and carve out a significant role for himself come August with this team. And with the loss of Rajon Rondo, Dion Waiters' presence becomes even more imperative to this team because he instantly goes from being just an insurance primary ball handler and creator to all of a sudden being thrust into probably the team's best option outside of LeBron when it comes to primary playmaking and creation. So you'll definitely want to check this video out just to see what tools Dion Waiters still has left in his bag. Patrons already have access to that video, and you can become a patron for as little as a buck a month by going to patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. So thank you to all the LLP patrons out there. Um, For everyone else, though, if you would like to check out that video once it's officially released, please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Lakers Legacy. Outside of future observational breakdown videos, we also plan to have all of our podcast episodes up on that channel as well in case you want to cast us or stream us onto your smart TVs. Thank you for all your guys' support. Okay, the big news of the day is Rajon Rondo going down with yet another hand injury. At this point, this is like the third or fourth hand-related injury that Rajon Rondo has suffered in just his short time being a Laker the last two years. I was just going to talk about how amazingly yoked he looked coming out of quarantine COVID season. Unfortunately, we are going to have to talk about once again Rajon Rondo injuring his hand, having to get surgery, and being out for six to eight weeks. The boxing that he did during quarantine probably did not help his situation, but six to eight weeks from this point, and Rajon Rondo is going to be getting his surgery this week, that should allow Rajon Rondo, if we're looking at the more conservative estimate of eight weeks, that should allow for Rajon Rondo to come back at around the second round of the playoffs, and the semifinals begin Towards the end of August, beginning of September, the Lakers cannot substitute and replace Rajon Rondo even if they waive him 
because per NBA rules, you can only substitute a player if it's COVID-related or it's due to personal reasons, as with Avery Bradley. So in this case, the Lakers are stuck with Rajon Rondo. Whether or not he wants to leave the bubble is inconsequential, and given that it's only going to be six to eight weeks and he does have a shot at returning, it's very likely that Rajon Rondo will stick on with the team, be the assistant coach, player personnel coach that Lakers fans have always wanted him to be. And yeah, regardless of how you feel about Rajon Rondo, this is not exactly the way you'd want the Lakers to start off training camp. With two of their main ball handling point guards who actually had rotation minutes off the shelf already. I guess the good news and the silver lining is that it is happening now. If there was ever a time for someone integral to the Lakers rotation to go down, it would be now because the Lakers haven't actually started practicing. They haven't started training camp. That's going to be happening in the next few days, in the next few weeks. We still have two and a half weeks till actual gameplay starts, so that buys Rajon Rondo time to heal up. I know a lot of Lakers fans are saying, this is great. I mean, not from the standpoint that poor Rajon Rondo had to actually suffer this injury, but purely from a basketball standpoint, he was hurting our defense. His decision-making was poor for much of this season. He was lazy on both ends of the court. So in that respect, that should automatically boost us, I guess. But I think that's a superficial surface level way of looking at things. Given the fact that Rajon Rondo was playing around 20 minutes And maybe that shrinks down to about 15 minutes given that his time had begun to lessen right before quarantine started. But nevertheless, he was a part of Frank Vogel's rotation and now Frank Vogel was sort of have to tinker a lot more than he had anticipated. And just think about the intangible chemistry aspect of LeBron James and Anthony Davis who did trust Rajon Rondo on the court. Rajon Rondo was getting Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee those easy lobs and was seemingly the only other point guard outside of LeBron James who had that sort of chemistry with them on a more consistent level. So from that aspect, I think it just shakes the Lakers up a little bit more than than is probably needed at this stage. But like I just mentioned, if there was ever a time to do it, it's now because Frank Vogel can really tinker and almost sort of reset everything. I I mentioned the last podcast over that given the three-month gap, it's almost like a new season is starting. And Frank Vogel can almost view this training camp start these next few weeks as a blank canvas, as a way to reset things, given the fact that two integral guards in their rotation, Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo, are now gone. And we still have Dion Waiters, Markeith Morris, and now J.R. Smith to integrate into this team. So given that, it's almost like Frank Vogel can start from quote-unquote scratch. Now, Rajon Rondo was averaging about 20 minutes, and... This obviously now opens up the door for Dion Waiters to step into some of those minutes. The Lakers were viewing him as more of an insurance play with regards to his playmaking and primary creation back in March. But now, with Avery Bradley down, and more importantly, Rajon Rondo, who was kind of picking up the slack in LeBron James' stead whenever he'd go to the bench, when it came to actually creating for others and shoring up that bench unit, Again, regardless of how you feel about Rondo, he was picking up the slack in that department. Now Dion Waiters becomes, you know, one of the primary options outside of a guy like Alex Caruso and maybe Quinn Cook to now fill that void. And honestly, he may be our best point guard creator. Uh, He's going to be very erratic in that sense, and it's going to be a wild roller coaster ride. But 
you know, he does have more experience than than Alex Caruso in this respect, um, having played in the playoffs with Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. So he's not unfamiliar to this role. So yeah, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Dion Waiters has in store for us. He looks very healthy, slimmed down, and up to the task. The, the good news, again, is that Dion Waiters has been with the team since March, so it's conceivable that Frank Vogel has already been scheming ways in which Dion Waiters can fit into the rotation, and now they may pit him against Alex Caruso and, and Quinn Cook to see who better meshes with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, or who better meshes with that bench unit of Kyle Kuzma, Dwight Howard, Markeith Morris. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can mold Dion Waiters into more of a point guard than his primary instincts. To, to score and just do some wonky, wacky, Lance Stevenson, born ready type stuff. But yeah, I think he's up to the task and ready to fill whatever role the Lakers need him to fill. As I mentioned, Quinn Cook may now step into the light and get an opportunity to be that sort of poor man's playmaking guard off the bench. He does play very well with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as the advanced analytics have shown, but he doesn't do well with ball pressure and easily gets knocked off his position even when he's navigating through screens. So right now I'm banking on Alex Caruso soaking up those minutes, Dion Waiters really soaking up those minutes. And yeah, you know, I actually was personally looking forward to seeing the resurrection of playoff Rondo and seeing him shut some people up. I know at the end of the day that this is largely going to help our defense, but... I mean, if we look back to the last time that Rajon Rondo was in the playoffs, I know it was 2018 and that's almost two years ago, but it's not entirely Rajon Rondo's fault that last year we didn't make it to the playoffs because last year, if we had made it to the playoffs, who knows, playoff Rondo may have surfaced. And so we can only look back to the last time he was in the playoffs. And the last time he was in the playoffs, which was 2018, he was amazing. And he coincidentally played with Anthony Davis in that 2018 playoffs, in which he averaged 10 points, 12 assists, 7.6 rebounds, shot 42% from three, had 1.4 steals. Uh, he helped the New Orleans Pelicans sweep the Blazers and even steal one game against the Warriors. And even in his short tenure with the Lakers, he has shown in very, very short spurts and bursts that he can be effective. He can't do it for the full duration of a season, clearly, but in very select spots, Rajon Rondo proved that he can mentally turn on the switch and be, at the very, very least, not detrimental to the team and be a role player that can can relieve LeBron James off a little bit of ball creation pressure and also show some chemistry with the likes of Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. So, yeah, for me, you know, I'm a little bummed that we won't get to see playoff Rondo. I also understand that this could raise the overall floor of the Lakers. From a personal level, I hate that Rondo had to experience this after having just entered the bubble and having worked his ass off this quarantine offseason to get as buff and yoked as he did. And I know he was ready to physically run amok on guys like Patrick Beverly in the playoffs and slap him upside his head. But hopefully this injury to Rajon Rondo can galvanize the group to come together and push even harder to win it all. Because Rajon Rondo in the locker room is considered one of the leaders, along with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Guys respect him. More importantly, Anthony Davis and LeBron James respect him. So yeah, from the personal aspect for Rajon Rondo, sucks for him. I, I wish him the best. I hope he heals up. But... I think we're going to get the best version of him during these next six to eight weeks where he can just mentor the guys. We definitely don't need him during these first eight games, so that that helps. 
But yeah, Rondo being the ultimate assistant coach for the players and 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 guys like Alex Caruso who have never been to the playoffs, I think is going to be essential and important. Um, he's going to be that locker room leader, motivational speaker off the bench. And again, I think at a certain point we are going to need Rajon Rondo's experience and, and veteran savviness. And it's good to know that it's only going to be six to eight weeks and he will definitely return i think you know if if it takes all the way up until the western conference finals will it be worth it at that point to integrate such a polarizing and big figure as rajan rondo i don't know but maybe at that point we'll realize just how much how much wear and tear lebron james has had had to undertake handling the ball as much as he has so at that point maybe it will be a relief to get a guy like Rajon Rondo in because at that point maybe Deion Waiters isn't cutting it maybe Alex Caruso isn't cutting it so I think just having the option of Rondo even down the road I think is a is, is a positive so so we'll see but yeah best of luck to Rondo rest up Dion TP Waiters you're up I'm all here for the total gummy bear package experience uh, it's gonna be a man up by committee as it always has with the Lakers this season. So obviously I'm excited that our defense is going to improve dramatically just by giving Alex Crusoe five to seven minutes of that Rondo share. And then I'm also excited to see how the Lakers offense becomes more dynamic because of Dion Waiters. Because at this point, I can't see how Dion Waiters plays any worse than Rajon Rondo. It'll just look different. And at this stage, Dion Waiters is still 28 and he hasn't lost the step that Rajon Rondo has and he can still very easily knife into the lane and actually finish in the paint not only finish but dish it out to teammates kick it out to shooters you know dump it off to big men and most of all he'll improve the spacing dramatically just by being a three-point threat especially during his last few years Dion Waiters has improved as a three-point shooter with regards to volume and three-point percentage yeah I, I'm I'm excited at, at the prospects here it's just Again, having to wrap your head around the overall macro notion that the Lakers will once again have to rejigger things and are losing a key part of their identity with Rondo, no matter how you feel about him, I think that's just the more concerning part. You just want to go in with your best foot forward, and and so far the Lakers have sort of mini-stumbled. But again, if there was ever a time to experience these hiccups, it's now because things haven't started and gotten underway yet and Frank Vogel can still pivot. We've still got two and a half weeks until actual gameplay starts, and and so yeah, I think the Lakers ultimately will be fine. This may be a blessing in disguise for all of us. Obviously, it just sucks for Rajon Rondo, and uh, we'll, be, we'll definitely be a bit of a different team um, to start off these playoffs with, and then we'll be a different team when we have to reintegrate Rajon Rondo, and then yeah, that will be interesting. We'll have that discussion when it comes, but yeah. Hey guys, in case you missed our announcement at the top of the show, we have partnered with Thrive Fantasy Sports to give you guys a free $20 to play with. All you have to do is download the Thrive Fantasy app, sign up using the promo code LEGACY, and deposit a minimum of $20 and you'll get an instant $20 on top of that that you can play with on NBA games this season. So what are you waiting for? Double up on that $20, start playing some games, and maybe you'll come out with even more. It's Liddy on the Thrive Fantasy app. Oh, that's not their slogan. Prop up on the Thrive Fantasy app. But also, it's Liddy. Okay, before I get to my most interesting Lakers narratives, there are a few stray stream of consciousness thoughts that I want to throw out there. The first being, 
J.R. Smith, Mr. Anything is Possible, Pipe Dream himself. One thing that I wanted to bring up is the fact that I think a good playoff proxy and baseline expectation setter for J.R. Smith this postseason would be Mike Miller during the 2012 playoffs with the Miami Heat. Um, that year, by the time the Heat had reached the finals, Mike Miller's playing time was super inconsistent to non-existent. He actually only averaged five minutes a game in that finals until he busts out for 23 points, hitting seven of eight threes in their closeout game five versus the Thunder. Uh, prior to that game, Mike Miller had only reached double figures three other times, with his next highest point total being 12 points. So, if you're looking for a J.R. Smith parallel in terms of how a wild card veteran swingman like him can still contribute, even if his role and playing minutes are undefined and inconsistent, well, look no further than 2012 Mike Miller. Because at any moment's notice, with a veteran like him, with a veteran like J.R. Smith, these guys know what to expect. They know how to deal with uncertainty. They know how to deal with inconsistent playing time. And they're veterans, so they could pop off at any moment. And even still, with using this 2012 Mike Miller as a proxy for how J.R. Smith could potentially contribute, I still feel like J.R. Smith will be a little bit more consistent in terms of his output than Mike was in his 2012 run with the Heat. He may not have a 23.7 of 8 from 3 outburst, but I do expect more 9.33s games from J.R. Smith with a random 15 to 18 point outburst here or there. And even if J.R. Smith doesn't play at all, which is you know, totally possible. Well, he's sure as entertaining as hell on IG story. So we'll at least have that. All in all, great signing by the Lakers. Okay, so let's talk about narratives before I swing it to my segment two with Tommy and Alan. As I mentioned to start the show, Dwight Howard has officially decided to rejoin the team. I just think that Dwight Howard's story arc here, his whole career story arc, is so fascinating, and the fact that he's with the Lakers now makes it all the more interesting. Dwight Howard has had a really tough last decade in the league since leaving Orlando, both on and off the court. This year, he obviously really turned things around, coming back to the Lakers, humbling himself, and really putting his money where his mouth is. He's done it off the court by being a great teammate, helping the locker room chemistry, and being absolutely endearing with the fans once again. He's also done it on the court, by having one of his most productive seasons in a long time from a minute-per-minute basis, averaging 7 points, 7 rebounds, 1.2 blocks in only 19 minutes, shooting a career-high 73% from the field. A testament to Dwight obviously just buying in 100% and staying in his lane. Also, he's randomly hitting a career-high 60% from three-point land. Three out of five threes, also a career-high in makes. So, best year in Dwight's career in a while by far. Anyway, with him officially rejoining the team in this championship quest, I have to just stop and marvel at his story arc and how potentially redeeming and full circle everything could come and make itself if Dwight were to win a championship this October. Because think about it. The two franchises that held the most bitter grievances towards Dwight and the two franchises that he let down the most were the Orlando Magic, the team where everything began for him, his career began, and the Los Angeles Lakers, the cursed Nash-Kobe-Achilles year in which Dwight Howard couldn't live up to that moniker of being the next best great Laker big man. If Dwight Howard wins a championship come October, he could essentially redeem two things in one fell swoop. By not only one winning a championship as a Laker and redeeming his entire cursed season with Kobe, but winning a championship in Orlando, the place where he last was in the NBA Finals, 
a finals that he failed to deliver. But he can once again win in Orlando, where his career began, but this time do it as a Laker, for a franchise he hated playing for, for a city that sided with Kobe, called him soft, and never wanted him back. So, as far as poetry and full circle story arcs go, Dwight Howard's could be right up there if things shake out purple and gold. And I'm very excited to see if that happens for Dwight, because it would just be such a beautiful, poetic moment to see him win a championship in Orlando as a Laker. Um, next narrative that I wanted to point out is, this isn't exactly a narrative, but more an observation of how this could really play to the Lakers' advantage, and it's the Lakers' collective championship experience. Uh, in my opinion, that collective championship experience that the Lakers have amongst several players has to be unmatched in the league currently. I don't know the specifics of how many players on other teams have championship experience or to what extent they do, but as far as the Lakers go, they have a lot of players with several years of actual NBA Finals championship experience. Now, I know with this bubble, the whole situation is wonky, and what does championship experience really mean under these very weird once-in-a-lifetime circumstances, but if there's ever going to be any edge that's gained here amongst elite teams, I feel like it's going to come intangibly, and we already know that the Lakers' tight-knit brotherhood and chemistry will serve them very well once play actually starts, and even before that happens, right now as they're getting acclimated to you know life in the bubble. Um, but when we look at the basketball side of things, I mean, just looking down the roster, they have the most collective finals experience amongst probably any other team in the league. LeBron James has obviously been there nine times. J.R. Smith has been there four times. Danny Green's been to the finals three times, and in one of them set an NBA record of 23 made threes in the finals back in 2013 with the Spurs. Obviously, last year, he won a championship with Toronto. Rajon Rondo has been to the finals twice, and obviously he beat the Lakers during that 2008 run with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, and Paul Pierce. We don't have to relive that moment. Um, JaVale McGee's been to the finals twice. He's won a championship twice with the Golden State Warriors, being a role player. Dwight Howard, as I mentioned, has been there once versus Kobe and Powell back in 2009 when the Lakers beat the Orlando Magic. And outside of that one finals appearance, he's also had multiple Eastern Conference finals appearances. Even Quinn Cook has been to the finals twice and even knocked down a couple of clutch threes in important games for the Warriors as, as recently as last season. So given all of that experience of just guys who have gotten to that top level and know how to adapt to and attack unexpected circumstances and understand what true pressure and, and intensity feels like, the Lakers have a pretty formidable group of guys who have all of that. That's seven guys I just mentioned with finals experience. And I just have to believe that this will play a pretty important role in how this entire Lakers group meshes and goes about attacking this playoff run. Even the guys who may wind up not even playing from those guys that I just mentioned, just their experience alone of making it all the way through the finals and understanding how to navigate the emotional and mental ups and downs of this journey and being able to bestow that advice onto their teammates and being able to keep everyone even keeled and properly motivated, I just feel like that is so paramount and, you know, goes without stating how important that is. Uh, that's going to just be crucial for the team and, and something that not a lot of other teams necessarily will have, at least not to the extent that the Lakers do, because they have it in quality and quantity when it comes to finals experience. And, and obviously couple that with the endearing chemistry of this team, and you have to like the Lakers' chances from even just an intangible level to make it far in this Orlando playoff run. Okay, my last narrative that I wanted to bring up before we pitch it to our sponsors and Tommy and Alan hop on 
is LeBron James and his revenge tour. Obviously, he posted that IG picture of him as Goku in a chamber, a la Dragon Ball Z, pretty much ready to burst through his water chamber where he has been biding his time and recuperating. A lot of people are giving LeBron a lot of flack for that and for, for LeBron being corny about his Wash King revenge tour. But if I, I just want to take that narrative a step further. And um, I don't know if anyone has noticed or actually dove into this, but aside from LeBron's Wash King revenge tour, I think the more fascinating angle is actually just his Lakers tenure thus far. Because LeBron's Lakers tenure these last few years have been anything but normal, to put it lightly. And to put it not lightly, it's been kind of downright disastrous, but not because of anything he could have controlled, obviously. Year one, he joins the Lakers. He's a bit rejuvenated going to La La Land and wearing the purple and gold and everything that stands for. He actually gets the team to third in the West by Christmas with guys like Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Rondo, JaVale, and a bunch of rookies on the team. Unfortunately, during that Christmas game, he injures his groin and then has to sit out the most amount of games he's had to sit out in his career outside of one year with the Cleveland Cavaliers very early on. He ends up missing the playoffs that year after having gone to the finals for eight straight years. So very bizarre year for LeBron, his first year with the Lakers. Year two, this year, Lakers trade for Anthony Davis. LeBron James sprints out of the gate on his Washed King Redemption Tour. The Lakers are the top team in the West. And then... Kobe Bryant dies and the whole world stops and has to face this COVID-19 pandemic and the whole season is essentially derailed until now, potentially. Needless to say, LeBron James, Lakers version, has been a wonky roller coaster of an experience. Couple that with the fact that LeBron James will soon be turning 36, asterisk or not with this Orlando quarantine playoff run, LeBron James has to seize the moment not only for his personal legacy but his Lakers legacy as well. To the extent that he can do so, I think LeBron wants to make things right when it comes to his bizarre first two years as a Laker, and you have to think that he's actually thinking about that, outside of what this means for him historically in the pantheon of NBA greats. Just in terms of, man, look at how my first two years as a Laker has gone. Couple that with the fact that he's not getting any younger, and given the weird global circumstance of this ongoing pandemic, who knows truly how many years he's got left to win a championship or how many other chances and opportunities he's going to have to do this because who knows, year two, this pandemic may get worse, we may get another shutdown, and we may not be able to resume that next season. And by next year, LeBron James will be 36 going on 37. So you have to feel that he's really understanding right now the gravity of this situation and the importance of it. Obviously, he's gotten a second lease on life with this unexpected rest time the last three months, and we won't even know if the NBA can fully close out this season, but you can bet LeBron James is probably going to approach these next few months with laser vision focus and treat things day by day, not taking the opportunity for granted and really seizing the moment. I don't think it will matter to him one bit that this season will be marked with an asterisk if people mark it with an asterisk. Because him bringing a championship back to LA, even if it's in Orlando, even if it's not in front of a bunch of Angeleans, that's going to be the first step potentially to him resetting things back to normal, at least from a Lakers career standpoint. And then after that, once he wins a championship in Orlando in the weirdest of circumstances, after that, if things go back to normal in the world, then he can go back to winning a normal championship and closing out his career with a legit championship run with the Lakers if we ever get to that point. 
But for now, he's got to play with the hands he's been dealt, and LeBron's going to do that to the best of his ability and not waste it, I have to feel like. If only for the fact that this Lakers experience has been so weird for him, so weird for us, and the first steps to making things right would obviously be to win a championship, which is such a Lakers exceptionalist thing to say, but it's true. So to sum it up, LeBron James is playing for more than some corny washed king revenge tour redemption arc. He's playing to reclaim his Los Angeles Lakers story arc that has been lopsided and strange from the beginning. And the best remedy to do that is by winning an NBA championship for Los Angeles. So here's to hoping that that's on his mind as well and uh, he takes us all the way. So that is my additional little narrative angle and tidbit for LeBron James uh, that I wanted to share. So yeah, we're going to turn it to our sponsors, and when I return, Tommy and Alan will hop on and join me, and we will talk about the most exciting and anticipated playoff aspects that we are looking for the Lakers to potentially implement, whether that means lineup changes or schemes or tactics or even just player personnel-wise, what's going to happen with some of the role players around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So yeah, we will catch you after the break. All right, so we are back, and this time I have Tommy and Alan with me. They had some time to fit in this quick extra segment, and the topic for this segment will be, once play resumes, just some random things that we're excited to finally see again on the court that maybe we had looked forward to um, back in March that was sort of cut short, and now we're kind of remembering again, oh yeah, I actually wanted to see 80 at the five more, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I'll go first. Um, I think one thing that I'm excited to see happen will be the Anthony Davis and LeBron James pick and roll and a higher frequency of pick and rolls because I feel like throughout the regular season, we were very uh, conservative about deploying that. I almost felt like we were doing it just so teams couldn't scheme against it. Not that you can ever scheme against LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll, but I felt like we were being more judicious about it. And you, you remember some of our complaints throughout the season where it's like, why don't they just run a goddamn pick and roll every single time, you know? But I feel like it was a little bit of gamesmanship and really just trying to save all of that for the playoffs. So I'm excited to see what'll happen once that's when once they do that more consistently and what the off action plays are with the other well, the other teammates around them and what they do in um in response to that pick and roll, you know, because there are other actions that feed off of that. So I'm very much looking forward to the LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll in more, uh, in higher frequency because we be- we had begun to see a little bit more of it against the Clippers and the Bucks, right? Those last two games where in clutch situations, you'd see them run that and it would work to perfection. So um, Tommy, what what are you kind of excited to finally see on the court, whether it was something back then or something new now? I'm most excited to see if Kyle Kuzma has become less of a punk ass little bee. <laughs> like you stole mine. Playing, yeah, he he started playing really. I wouldn't say he was playing like great basketball, but he started playing. I don't know, tough basketball. Mm-hmm. Like right before we went down for for the break, his defense picked up a ton. It seemed like he was playing a lot more physical. It seemed like he was trying to figure out ways to contribute, but crashing the boards. Crashing the boards, and, and sorry, I meant to say ways to contribute when he wasn't scoring. Um, but I we, we we want him to score, too. It's, like, super important for us if he can score and open up the floor a lot more for AD and LeBron. 
um, if they suddenly have a, a third option who's semi-reliable, it just makes them that much more dangerous and our team that much more dynamic. Um, but it's going to be both sides of the ball for Kuz because if he is going to stay on the floor long enough to be able to score, he's got to play defense. And his defense was like so strong. I mean, he had a few highlight level defensive plays when we played mm-hmm. the Clippers right before we went down. Um, and if he can keep up that, that kind of work, I mean, that's going to be awesome for us. But if he comes back and it's like, okay, he's a young guy and I'm not suggesting that he didn't take it seriously, you know, while he was on quarantine, but just psychologically, you know, he's not like a grizzled old veteran. It, it might be a little bit harder for him to be removed from, you know, basically an entire off season. Um, but like not even as active as a regular off season, cause he wasn't doing anything, you know what I mean? And it was hard to do any, like even work out, um, going from that to suddenly right back into it, like starting in the playoffs, it's, I don't know if, if, um, you know, the maturity, and again, not to suggest that he lacks all maturity, but if the maturity comes into play at all, just because he's a pretty young player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And then it's hard to forget that, or hard to even remember because it seems like ages ago, but last summer when he was playing for Team USA, he came out of the gym hot and he was shooting like 38%, 40% on the Team USA team before he had that ankle injury and then all the injuries started piling up throughout the season. But, I mean, early on, he was actually playing that role of sharpshooter and it will be interesting to see if this two-and-a-half-month, three-month gap actually resets things for him. And I feel like we saw him trying to rejigger his shot again throughout the season while he was dealing with, you know, mentally figuring out his role but also just his shot mechanics in general. So if he can bring that same tenacity and you know, bulldog toughness that he was showing towards the end of this season and then, you know, couple it back with how he used to shoot in spurts, that would be a a much welcome surprise. Um, Alan, what about you? What are you, what is some, what's something that you're most excited to finally see on the court when they get back into play? Yeah. um, So my other one would be Dwight Howard. Um, Mm. Also kind of like a mental, right. Kind of a thing. Um, I mean, when was the last time he had a serious run in the playoffs? It was when he was with Orlando in 2009 against us, I would say. Houston went to the playoffs, but that whole situation with him and Harden, I mean, that just wasn't going to work, right? So really, since then, he's bounced around from all these, like, whatever, Washington, Charlotte, etc. So, I mean, just the, like, continuation of his redemption season. Mm -hmm. Um, And because the playoffs are a totally different beast, it would be interesting to observe whether the habits that he's instilled about mindfulness, staying in the moment, things like that, is it going to carry over from the regular season into the playoffs? Um, Mm. My intuition tells me that it will. Um, I I do think that he has like fully integrated this new mindset into just his life, right? It's not just basketball. And and I would think even through this quarantine that – you know, my guess is that he's done a lot more of that kind of, for lack of a better phrase, like soul searching, whatever you want to call it. So, um, I, yeah, I'm very excited to see how he responds. And uh, assuming that we make it deep into the playoffs, uh, I, I do expect him to to come up big for us and be extremely effective and, and to still seem, no pun intended, like very centered as he's doing mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, I agree. And I think... I think the rest and this gap period actually helps him out a lot. 
in addition to obviously LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but you know, Dwight Howard hasn't played a full season in a while. And he was beginning to, he was looking pretty athletic before quarantine hit, but I was sort of wondering how long that would last. And I feel like this allows him to like rejuvenate and reset his body as well, where maybe he'll be rusty coming out of it, but maybe it just extends his ability to kind of channel that younger Dwight where he, we were seeing him throw down these ridiculous tomahawk jams towards the end there that all of a sudden we we might not have gotten if this break hadn't happened for him. So it's like a mental and physical sort of, I guess, rejuvenation, recuperation for Dwight. Hopefully that we'll see. Um, so yeah, that'll be it. I just have some rapid fire ones too as well. Like I mentioned, I'd like to see, finally see more AD at the five, maybe Kuzma at the four as well, or maybe at the three, because maybe we've realized that he's also just good at the small forward spot, or especially on defense. Um, will we see LeBron more ramped up on the defensive end? Because we've seen him in spurts this year where he just looked amazing you know and his like even his defensive metrics with regards to advanced analytics was you know off the charts as well especially in certain lineups so how much is LeBron James actually going to turn it up turn it up while also keeping into mind you know soft tissue potential injuries with regards to this restart Um, but man when LeBron James turns it on as we've seen in this season defensively he can he, he takes us to a brand new level lastly more Anthony Davis aggression in the post because I think throughout the season, kind of along the same lines as LeBron James and Anthony Davis pick and roll, I felt like he settled for a lot of face-up jump shots, turnaround jump shots, three-point shots. But I also felt like that was design and also felt like he was preserving himself for the playoffs. And that's when, you know, to a certain extent, things slow down and it becomes a little bit more gritty and muck it up. And I think that's when Anthony Davis will show his post moves, his skill down there, and sort of bruise it up a little bit more than he has in the regular season. I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that for 82 games, right? But now that you have this truncated schedule and you know how much you're going to be playing for and what the stakes are, I expect him to, once we dump it down to him, not just take a turnaround fadeaway jump shot and actually pound the ball. So that's another thing I'm looking forward to. Uh, With that said, thank you guys for listening and thanks for your support. (laughs) 